Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. Leonard Kim here, and uh, yesterday I had the opportunity to watch The Harder They Fall uh, by Netflix. Uh, went to a special screening for the event. It's probably by far one of the best movies I've seen this year, and what was pretty amazing about it was really the music behind everything. Uh, Jay-Z is a producer for it, so the sound is absolutely phenomenal with the movie. And James Daniel also and his cast also totally crushed it. But today on the line, we have uh, Jack We have uh, Jack Yan with yeah. us today. Um, Jack, Jack, would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure. Hey, Leonard. Hey, listeners. I'm Jack Yan. I'm calling in from Wellington, New Zealand, where it's Friday morning. And uh, I run Jackie and Associates, but I also founded 24 years ago, in fact, 24 years ago next week, uh, a magazine called Lucire, which is a fashion magazine. We were one of the first, one of those early dot-coms. And I suppose the difference between us and a lot of the other dot-coms is, number one, we were still around. And number two, we launched a print edition in 2004, seven years after we started the online edition. So we kind of went the other way, you know, the convention back then was you'd start off with a print magazine and go online. We started with an online magazine, went to print. And um, we've been carrying that on. We're now five editions around the world. We have two that are published in the Middle East. We've got uh, an online and print edition here in New Zealand. We've got, in fact, one in your state, Leonard, in California, called Lucero Rouge, which covers a lot of the beauty and, and uh, cuisine and lifestyle stories. So 24 years uh, we're still we're still kicking, and I think that's probably the one thing most people know me for. Although I was also New Zealand's first digital typeface designer back in the nineteen eighties, so I, I've always been in the digital world, and uh, and I've always loved it. Wow, that's a pretty awesome background. So over the years, publishing has probably changed quite a bit. Yeah, it has. I mean, you know, certainly online publishing, um, before there was such a thing as Google, you know, we, we were searching on AutoVista back in the 90s. Um, you could get a pretty good CPM, you know, cost per thousand rate for your, for your advertising. Uh, not many can claim that today, but back then you could say, I want $75 for a thousand ads. And we're not even talking big banner ads. We're talking the 468 by 60s, the, the tiny things used to be across the top of your screen. And you could get that. Now, today, you'll be lucky to get, you know, 0.075 cents. Um, so a lot of the, the rates have just been suppressed, um, really, uh, a mixture of reasons. You know, one, obviously, is double-clicks dominance of the online market. Um, and the other one, I suppose, is simply proliferation of websites. You know, anyone can set up a website, anyone can set up a blog. Yeah, your intro talks about influencers, you know, anyone can an influencer channel. Um, so we've noticed that has been the, the biggest change. And then with print publishing, um, the one thing I've noticed is there is very little point to do a type of news magazine, you know, a magazine which may have, here's the latest stuff right now, you've got to see this right now. 
because why you're getting all that from the web. So in print, what you need, you need deeper long-form features in my opinion. And some independents now do this, and I've, I've noticed that, but I think yeah, we really made that shift um, around 2008 to say we, we don't want to do up-to-the-minute newsy stories in print. We've got to do features. Um, I cannot take credit for that idea. It was one of our licensed editions over in Thailand um, when we, where we published for about five, well, we're a licensee published for five years. And they began doing features only because their edition had to last about six months um, each time. So, you know, it wasn't a monthly or a weekly. It had to last six months and they needed features. And I thought, you know what, well, that's smart because but at that point, it was late 2000s. That's where the market was heading. So you're absolutely right, Leonard. Big changes in the marketplace. Yeah, that definitely uh, seems like a pretty significant change. One of the things that I've personally seen is that a lot of the long-form content has kind of takes a life of its own where it kind of becomes memorable in people's minds and like really stands out and really makes a difference. Do you kind of see the same thing uh, with your publishing experience? Yeah, I totally agree, actually, um, because those special ones, they just take so much more research. They get linked to a lot more. Um, and I think the other thing is to pursue those stories, which maybe a lot of other publications don't pursue. I remember one year, our biggest story was the wedding of um, one of the, the, the princesses in Sweden. Right? And this is not sort of mainstream stuff. It's not a mainstream coverage story. And uh, Princess Madeline of Sweden. And we covered her wedding. We did a story on that. And that was our most read story online that year because it oh. wasn't something, you know, everybody else. It's not, it's not your sort of CNN story. Um, and you, with long-form stories, definitely. I mean, in print, we get more, a lot of feedback with the long-form stories. On the web, I think... You know, the stories are usually more distinctive. You know, if you're doing a long form, you're covering more. If you're covering more, there are more keywords. So the odds of it getting hit are just that much higher. Yeah, I've definitely seen the exact same thing. When you say long form, uh, what's usually the length of your articles word-wise? Um, generally, in, in the print magazine, they're between 1,500 and 2,500 words. Um and quite often we'll publish them in even greater detail on the web because, you know, we don't have to fit something to say six pages. In fact, we've got a story now that's 2,500 words. It'll wind up on the web as 2,500. It'll be in print probably at 1,500. We're going to have to cull a 1,000 words out of it because, you know, we've got those limitations. Um, so, yeah, we're not talking 5,000, but, you know, when, when your orthodox sort of article you see on the web is quite often about 400 words, you know, 1,500, 2,500 is, is a sizable chunk. Yeah, I'd most of the trends right now. Like, they're usually around, like, 250 words, which is really just a little tease of what you could get. There's yeah. not really much depth in what it is. The 500 words kind of covers the event, but leaves you, like, wanting yeah. more, and you kind of feel, like, left <laughs> out. And yeah. I see, like, it's like the major trend. Like, people who are publishing and creating content, they really don't make strides to go above that. And I feel yeah. like a lot of content gets read, like, maybe, like, hundreds of times and mm -hmm. kind of goes off and vanishes and disappears. And if you're creating something to only be seen, like, hundreds of times, it's not really even worth the effort. 
No, no. Uh, you, you know, you and you want these things to sort of stay there as a, as a historical record. Um, you touched on a good point there, Lynn, and we say stories vanish. You know, they they do disappear because um, twenty years ago, search engines kind of grandfathered older stories. You know, because they they really wanted you to find the most relevant thing to your query. And now, what search engines do is they give you the latest, and the old stuff gets buried. It just goes. You know, way into history, and and no, very few people see it because very few people are still clicking after the tenth page of dot dot go, tenth page of Google. Um, so you, you're right. Quite often, you know, those stories do do just disappear into ether. You need about a hundred words to get the Google News, so you know, there's a hundred minimum. Um, Two fifty will definitely guarantee you a spot. It's a safe sort of number to make sure you, the search engines pick it up. They don't think it's just you know, contentless fodder. Um, and, yeah, you're right. A lot of these shorter articles are seen very few times. But if you're prepared to host something for as long as you can pay for the server, um, you know, we've got articles on our site going going way, way back to 1998. We don't have many of the 1997 pieces left on there, um, only because our hosting plan back then had 10 meg of storage. Um, but, you know, we can go back to 98. And some of those stories are still, every now and then, still hit. Um, there's one that's from 2002 that historically, I think, is the most read on a website. And that's the story on how to pronounce Moet, you know, the champagne. Um, that is still getting hit all the time. Yeah, and like I personally seen the same thing with my website and a lot of my content. Uh, the long form content takes a life of its own, and for year after year after year, it continues to get read. And those reach like numbers in the hundreds of thousands, if not higher, which is kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah, it, it it is. Yeah, it's interesting to sort of see something that was published nineteen years ago. In the case of our article. Um, it's just a have a life of its own, and it's the one article. Every time we do a new template for the for the online edition, we shift that article to a new template just to make it look good. Um, everything else, you know, some of the really early stuff was done on Notepad HTML. It was just hand coded. We, we there are too many to shift. Obviously, number one, but we don't want to shift them because we like the historical artifact of that looking like it did in the 1990s or looking like it did in the 2000s. But that one article, because it's so popular, we keep it the same URL. Uh, we we change it um, every you know every few years. We we'll just upgrade it to make it look to make it look sharp. Um, I guess partly too to encourage people to click through and to read other other things on our site. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy uh, how, like, when people pick up old content, they're able to also discover your new content, which kind of is still like a win because they see you as an authoritative source that's been around for such a long period of time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, we, we want to encourage people to click onto the homepage and say what else is there. And, you know, down the bottom, of course, you've got related articles, which on a lot of our features we handpick. We don't leave that to an algorithm. Um, so on the features, that's, it's actually hard-coded into the page. And hopefully people do do click through on, on those ones. Um, we've got another site, which I haven't mentioned. It's called Autocade. It's, a, it's an automotive encyclopedia. It's about just car models. And at the bottom of every page is the model preceding that and the model succeeding that. 
And, you know, I've, I remember one time I checked the comments on the site and there was one guy who was obviously going into the site and just looking at it and clicking on the links. And the, and the guy was there for five hours. You know, I was getting comments for five hours, positive ones, because um, he, you know, he knew about cars and he, he just kept clicking. Yeah, and uh, some people even do the deep dive where they just go and like try to consume as much content as humanly possible. And I, I think what happens with long form content is it it gives more than the taste. It gives more than the teaser. It gives people the ability to really fall in love with the content that they're consuming. And once you once you find something like that, it sticks out so much from whatever else is out there on the web that people begin to fall in love with what's being shared so they consume more and more and more of it. I think so. I think, you know, it is a, a lot about your brand, uh, which, you know, you're, you're an expert on, uh, Leonard, and that your, the quality of your content is part of your brand when you're in the publishing game. And when people see, you know, one of the biggest biggest things about branding is differentiation, right? So if you can differentiate in your research, in your quality, in your depth, in your subject matter, then all those things do contribute to how people perceive your brand. They want to be associated with it. They want, they feel a connection with you and they want to follow you. Yeah, I, I, I still would love people to bookmark the site <laughs> back in the old days when so that was the way you kept track of your favorite sites. You, you, do, you do control D um, or option D. And we, we, do, we do want that relationship with our readers because, you know, hopefully some of them will say, hey, I want to order the print magazine um, or I want to find it. In some countries you can find it. In other countries you've got to, you've got to order it. Um, and really it's the way to get the brand proliferating out there that people, people think of it. And they think, hey, Lichere, that's right. They gave that great article on international fashion. Um, I mean, one angle we, we did, which I still don't see replicated hugely, is that from the very, not quite from the very start, but certainly from maybe about 1999 onwards, um, we did global coverage. So the idea is, sure, Vogue does global coverage. But the idea behind how we do it is we treat every story as significant and written in the way of the, of the subject's host country. So say there's an Indian story, we don't go, hey, look at these exotic fashions, how different are they? We report it from the Indian point of view. You know, there's an Indian correspondent, she's written it from her point of view. Why should we change it? Why should we westernise it? Why should we, you know, change the tone of it? So we've given every piece a, a, a life of of its own in terms of how it exists, how the story exists in its own world. Um, we we don't impose, you know. I'm in New Zealand. I don't impose a New Zealand editorial voice. No. But the only thing that we do do is obviously as a magazine, we have a house style, um, and our house style tends, well, not tends, does use Oxford University English, so it's a British English house style. And that's the one one of the things that unifies all the stories is you know when they look at it the type, the typography is consistent the hairstyle is consistent um, but other than that you know the stories need to be global why because it's it's called the internet it's international 
Um, it's supposed to, I know a lot of social media don't do this, but it's supposed to unite us and bring us together. And if you can understand the story from the correspondent's point of view, an Indian story from an Indian point of view, an American story from an American point of view, then I think that goes a long way to helping people understand what it's like in other societies. So they're not putting their own so geocentric view when they read it. Yeah, and I, I think when a lot of people nowadays, when they're consuming content from so many different places in the world, they're looking at it from their unique perspective, but they don't understand the full depth of the perspective of where it comes from. So I think that really sheds light into helping people really understand different cultures more, which really drives us to be more connected. Um, it's about time for us to uh, hop on to a commercial break. Where can people find you online, Jack? So find us at Lucire, L-U-C-I-R-E. So a lot of people call it pronounce it Lucire, Lucire.com. Cool, and you can find me at LeonardKim.com, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. 
Hey everyone, welcome back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Leonard Kim here with Jackie Ann, and we've been talking about how content that's a lot long form, a lot longer, a lot more detailed, a lot more in depth, a lot more research, a lot more unique with perspectives, really has the ability to stand out over the test of time and really break through the mold. And it's something that I do a lot with the clients that I work with to make sure that they have content like that that stands out, differentiates themselves, so they have personal brands that really last out and stand for. Um, decades to come but one thing that we really should probably move into uh, in this next segment of the uh, show is the uh, how much that type of content has helped your publications grow over the top over the course of the years uh, Jack would you like to kind of get into that yeah um, one of the first sort of licensing um, or probably the second licensing deal we did was on the strength of one article in the history of denim and denim jeans that um, one of our writers, Sylvia Giles, wrote in 2007. And, you know, that was a long-form article. Um, Miguel Kerjohn, who was looking for content for uh, his magazine in Thailand, saw that, you know, because why do we want long-form? It gets picked up in search engines, you know. And he, he saw it, he read it, he loved it, and he approached me and says, I'd like to license this article. And as we negotiated, um, we wound up basically licensing the title <laughs> and more content to him than he had originally imagined. And as I said in the first part of the interview, um, we wound up being in Thailand and Phuket for five years with, with Miguel. Uh, and more recently with Lucheri KSA, this is a, an edition put together in Saudi Arabia and in Egypt. Um, uh, we were approached in 2018, 2018, and uh, very similarly, you know, the content, the the person looking for content saw one of our long-form articles, approached me about licensing, and we've had an incredibly good relationship for the last three years, you know, and, and it is continuing. So my, my belief is long-form really does, I mean, literally this has helped our bottom line. And um, if we had done short form, if we had done the same stories that everybody else did, I doubt we'd have these inquiries because why would, why would they need to come to us? If it's short form, they can write it themselves. Um, if it's the same old story, they can write it themselves or they can approach any other magazine to get it and, and to enter the licensing agreement with them. So the, the idea of doing global fashion in our case has been really good for us because, you know, Right from the start, this is what I wanted. I wanted to create the magazine as a content source, um, as something that could be licensed out. Uh, part of that thinking was because I started in, in, in typeface design and designing fonts. Fonts are built in a licensing model. So, <coughs> excuse me, it only made sense for the magazine to be built in a licensing model as well. Um, we still do an edition here in New Zealand, and that is, to me, really a proof of concept more than anything else. It is not necessarily the primary vehicle for making money, um, but it proves to licensees that, yeah, this does work in a print format. The stories look great. The visuals look great. I mean, the website gives you the stories that doesn't show you the photo shoots, and the photo shoots we have are amazing. I remember a photographer coming to me very early on when we started print publishing. He says, this isn't a fashion magazine. This is a, this is a photographer's magazine because he was getting so inspired by the photography we featured in it. And 
yeah, to me, in many ways, as a, as a designer's magazine, because my ambition as a teenager was to be an art director of a fashion magazine. So, you know, I got, I did it. Um, this was the thing I wanted to do, you know, 30 plus years ago as, as a teenager. And to, to me, it, it's it's something that, you know, if you get everything right, you get the content right, you get the look right, you get the photography right, people are going to be drawn to it. And we showcase all of that in the New Zealand edition. Yeah, and from those results, it's kind of crazy because you're starting out in Australia and you're branching out into Thailand and Saudi Arabia because the people who see your content are valuing it so much and it's standing out that they're trusting you as a go-to source for that. Yeah, and you know the other great thing is we, we've been very fortunate to build up this sort of 24-year archive of, of stories that you know, some of it isn't even on the site Um and they're all, it's all long form. You know, when we first started doing print publishing, you can imagine 2004, 2005, the technology wasn't as good. So we couldn't do what is now called omnimedia very well. You know, where things wound up either in print or, or on the web, but never in both. And um, so we built up so much great content in, in 24 years. And it's, it gives you reassurance that you've got something to lean back on. You know, sometimes when we, we do a story, because we, we do monthly in Saudi Arabia, um, sometimes you think, well, hang on, I'm, I'm out of ideas. You know, you, you hit an idea block. You go, hey, but, but I've got this edition in 2008 that might have something that's relevant. Obviously, we don't use the same story, but it, it inspires us to do something. So even internally, um, having that wonderful long-form archive um, it helps us, and you're absolutely right. It, it does attract people because I think when they see you've been around for 24 years, they think, okay, there's a reason these guys have been around for that long, and they haven't gotten into trouble. You know, we we've had the odd person threaten to sue us, but there's it's, it's never, you know, knock on wood, it hasn't happened. Um, why? Because I think I like to think we back up all the stories. You know, we check everything. We make sure everything is absolutely true. We don't go around libeling people. Um, also, we don't do anything controversial. So a licensee will see that and think, hey, you know what? These guys are just, they're steady as a rock. You know, they're, they're not going to get political on anything, um, which is obviously quite an important thing when you're, when you're going into a lot of these different countries. We, we don't get political. We just cover beautiful fashion. And that's not an area that gets too tricky. You know, obviously in, in the Middle East, we, we've got to watch for showing too much skin. You know, we, we want the models to look somewhat modest because that's what work, works in that market. Um, but, you know, in other markets, we, we can be a little bit freer. Um, in the Middle East, of course, we, we take out mentions of alcohol. So we might be reviewing a hotel and the paragraph about the wine cellar gets taken out. Um, you know, because drinking is, is haram uh, in, in Islam. So, you know, we make adjustments like that. But to me, the heart, you know, you referred to the heart of a story earlier, the heart stays intact. And I think, I like to think our licensees see, you know, that sort of dependability and that sensitivity as well to their domestic markets. 
I'd say another side of it is as time goes by, what happens is we kind of evolve with our craft and we kind of get better. So when we're looking at something from maybe a decade or two decades ago, there's a new fresh perspective that kind of goes with it too, where as time has gone by, we've seen the world change and different things happen. And we kind of take our new perspective into and put that twist back into that old piece where you're able to take something that was once old and give it a new sense of life as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, one time we, where we did get inspired by an older story, it was, um, I think, in 2019, we did a story on foot, on wags. This is a British term, meaning wives and girlfriends of footballers or soccer players, people like Victoria Beckham. And uh, I think we probably first ran that story around 2013, 2014, and um, we were inspired by it so much, we thought, let's, let's do a brand new story on, on wags and just see how society's moved on. Uh, another thing, of course, compared to when we first started is we've had different waves of feminism as well, you know, third wave feminism, post-feminism, and that also impacts on the way the stories are covered. You know, you've, you've, got a, you've, you've got a heterosexual man running a fashion magazine, which is kind of that is unusual. And, um, but for me, it's, it is a learning vehicle because I can see it from you know, my point of view going, okay, well, that has changed. You know, the way women are portrayed in a magazine, the way society treats women, um, what women have united to be able to do in third-wave feminism in the, in the 90s and the 2000s, you know, all that has, has informed how we cover things as well. So you're right. I mean, just a couple of days ago, I looked back at the first entries on the WordPress part of the site. Now, these days, the WordPress part of the site it's basically the news section. It was just easier to do news articles using WordPress. But in the beginning, the first, the original idea of setting up a WordPress section on the site was to have it as a blog. And, but, you know, as time, I, I read back those early pieces and I think, they're not that great. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> some of them, some of them just didn't have the substance. Uh, you know, when we talk about long form, I think that's more something I've learned over the last 20, 20 plus years, but certainly when we started that blog, um, it wasn't long form there. And I, I look at it and I, I cringe. I think I even refer to it as a blog. And I don't think of it these days as a blog. I just think of us using blogging software for one section of the site uh, to do news. You know, that's what I think of it as. It's not a blog. Um, yeah, in fact, you know, the, the champagne piece I still love. It was really well written. Uh, but then there are other pieces uh, which probably haven't stood the test of time quite as well. Uh, we, we did a story on Zach Posen. He's a, a, a designer, was a designer, had his label in New York. And, you know, I look at that and, you know, this was Zach at the very beginning. It was, it was his first ever interview with anybody. And I look at it and I think, boy, that that's really aged. <laughs> um, and it wasn't that long ago, Lenny, you know, I... You know, I, I'm I'm 49 years old. I, I don't think of the night. I don't think of 1991 as 30 years ago. It's still in my head as kind of 20 years ago. <laughs> and um, I, I look back, and I think, boy, just in what I consider to be a short space of time, something has really, really aged. 
Yeah, it's been pretty interesting. Like, I've been working, I, I worked at an academic medical center for about four years, and I started a lot of the content journey over there where we created the educational content around topics like urology, neurology, dermatology, so forth, blah, blah, all the ologies that you could really think of. <laughs> <laughs> what's really happened over the last like two years into the process it was slow maybe like the first year and a half but two years into the process the search engine started sticking the content onto like the first page of Google and all of a sudden wow. the site went from like hundreds of thousands of views to like so many more than that and like even singular pieces of content got over 100,000 uh, views annually each and every wow. single year and yeah. it's kind of crazy the process of what really happens when you really stick to creating content that really stands out and really makes a difference in the eyes of the consumer because before in the past whenever you would look something up you fall on WebMD and WebMD would tell you that you're dying yeah that's not really what happens when this ha when this happens this is probably the more likely case and then that yeah. really was able to stand out because because we were being more honest and truthful with kind of the end result instead of like scaring the living bejesus out of people. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. People want to trust something and they, they don't want that incessant negativity. You know, you, you see that sort of level of negativity a lot in, in mainstream media. And, you know, that they try to shock you because I suppose they want the clicks and, and they'll say, there's, there's this bad thing coming and there's that bad thing coming. And, and sometimes you just want a balanced view to say, you know, well, it could be this or it could be that. And yeah, when when you created that content, it, it, it was definitely from you know a position of trust. Um, the search engines originally figured out that there was going to be constant content there. And I think the other thing too, you know, I mean, it obviously contributes to the brand of that organisation because people thought, well, I can trust this. And that's that's definitely one thing that I think a lot of marketers need to bear in mind, as you know, to tell it. In, in that case, they have great factual information because that is what a you know an academic institution depends on. But if it's about say a private company, you want a good story there too because great stories happen in every company in every organisation. You want to be able to tell those to to your audience so people go, hey, hey, these guys these guys went through something that I really admire them for. You know, they took a stand on X, Y, and Z, and. I think that's that's often the key to great branding is to be able to tell those those genuine stories and to do so consistently as well. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like one thing that we did is we figured out what doctor was the expert for a specific topic and figured out how to integrate the doctor into the content so they became uh, seen as the thought leader within that specific space, which they already are, but the public isn't aware mm -hmm. because they're working behind yeah. the scenes. But there is all types of people who are the thought leader, who are the expert within these existing companies that we have everywhere. They're just not shedding light to the stories of what really happens behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. You, you want those voices to come out, right? Because they're, they're the ones that deserve to be heard. Not, uh, you know, you wouldn't get me on there <laughs> because <laughs> I don't know anything about medicine. Um, I think that's probably one, one issue I sometimes have with social media is that, yes, it's good everybody has a platform, it's great everyone has free speech and is able to express themselves, but we get into that territory of, you know, right now, there are millions of amateur epidemiologists in the world talking about 
talk about coronavirus. You know, I don't want to listen to those guys. I want to listen to the, the real experts. And I, I think that, that's one thing that maybe social media haven't been you know, great in, in terms of when everybody has a voice, how do you find the authoritative voices? And it, it does come back to finding those thought readers. It does come back to having um, reliable, dependable sites that, um, that A, consistently have the content, but B, more importantly, get found. And quite often I have a problem with things not being found properly with the way modern search engines are set up. Um, I remember, I don't remember, a few years ago, someone at Twitter, before um, this year, switched off President Trump's account, former President Trump, when he was still the president at that time. And, and if you went into Google News, the source of that article wasn't the first one in Google News. It was like something like the fifth or sixth one. And the first one was instead a mainstream media re-reporting of that original story. And I noticed this starting to happen around about, say, about 2014. You know, there's, a, there's an event here in Wellington, New Zealand, called the World of Wearable Arts. This is one of the top sort of costume design slash artistic fashion shows in the world. It's like the Cirque du Soleil of fashion. And um, we were always the first to break the story because we had the embargoed release. We kind of knew who the winners were. We, so we wrote the story um, really before we even attended the show, but there was an embargo. We couldn't say anything until 10 p.m. So at 10 p.m., either we'd set the timer inside WordPress or I would manually log in because I'd be physically at the show. I'd manually log in on my phone and I'd press publish at precisely 10 p.m. And you go into Google News later, and in the first years, we were always first. Why? Because we broke the story. In subsequent years, we were second, and they put a mainstream media source to the same story first. And to me, it's like, hang on, that's not rewarding the, the, the folks who broke the story. That's not saying this is the original source. So in the old days, you know, before 2014, we'd get easily, say, you know, 20,000 hits in the first day on an article because we broke it. But then Google News started sending those viewers to a mainstream media source. And, you know, that's not always the best source, right? Sometimes, you know, the, the experts are the ones in specialist publications or an academic institution, and they're the ones that deserve to be, to be put up higher than someone just because they're a bigger organization. And that's been one issue I've got with how search engines work these days, they're not giving you the best result. Quite often they give you either the latest result or the result from the largest institution. And who's to say they're right? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Usually uh, it gets a little convoluted when there's a popular topic and it's hard to find that original source with the great length of detail that really goes behind it. But to mention mm -hmm. on what you uh, said earlier is a lot of uh, thought leaders who should be going out there and sharing their expertise uh, me personally working with a lot of doctors, what I find is that they mm. kind of have some fallacies in their belief. Like they might have to like dance around and do all this stupid stuff just to really go and stand out in the market, which isn't true. And also at the same mm. time, uh, they lack the insight or the courage or the, uh, like they don't really believe that by creating something, it's actually going to lead to something. But then like, uh, 
I've had instances where I've done like a Facebook Live video where Facebook Live isn't the best quality because yeah. it's live. It's not a produced yeah. video. And then you have mm. this piece of content going out there and getting 160,000 views on the specific topic that a lot of people uh, may or may not really care about. And it really stands out. Mm. So it's about finding that mm. encouragement where and that guidance where people actually understand that by doing certain things, it can be seen. They just kind of need the right direction for that. But it's about time for an, another commercial break. Where can people find yeah. you online again? They can pop onto Lucire, L-U-C-I-R-E dot com. And my personal website is just jackyan.com. Perfect. And you can find me at leonardkim.com, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel, featuring nationally recognized, best selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel with a replay on Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, welcome back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Leonard Kim here with Jack Yan. We've been talking a lot about uh, the developments of content and what that could kind of lead to directly. And while a lot of people out there are really focused on the monetary results, which definitely do come from writing and so forth and creating content that really stands out. Like if I were to really account for 100% of my income today, it would it, it all necessarily came from that. 
but at the same time, there's a lot of things that come indirectly from creating top-notch content. I know personally, I get invited to like uh, premieres, screenings. I was able to do a book deal, uh, get this radio show, and all this other stuff, that ancillary stuff that's really cool, like traveling, speaking all across the world, and doing neat things kind of comes from it. Uh, Jack, on your end, what kind of like indirect results have you kind of seen from everything like things you never expected would have happened that kind of like emerged from everything that's been going on yeah um well testing aston martins and porsches is, <laughs> is definitely one of the ancillary things that happened to me um, oh wow i i yeah i started when i started each year i thought you know i like automobiles as well so i'm gonna do a, a motoring column and and yeah we you know i had some some cars every now and then to test um, but then when you get invited to, to test, you know, the, the latest Aston Martins, you think, this is this is awesome, you know, does, does this job get better? And um, being able to, you know, have a, I remember I got a DB9, so this probably dates the story a little bit, this is middle of that, in the mid-2000s, and um, I was staying in a hotel and the, the car was so low, they couldn't get it up to the second story of the parking building. So I always had that car ready. It was on the ground floor of the parking building all the time. Didn't have to pay extra, and and just to be able to you know to drive luxury sports cars has been probably one of the the highlights of um, of the job. Like you, I go to some premieres as well. Um, definitely speaking speaking around the world. Um, the highlight there is. Really, Sweden and India have been great places for me to speak. I've spoken in your country as well, and um, yeah, it's it's literally you know taking me around the world, and it's great. As you know, a lot of people don't pay for the the, the air ticket. You know, they might pay for the speech, but they might pay for the travel. And when someone says we want you to speak, and we'll pay for the travel, and we'll pay for the hotel, and we'll still give you a fee, you think, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll come. Um, I I I got one gig really um, because of, of more of my brand work, um, but certainly magazine gives me a lot of these gigs as well. Um, and I had to go. I think on Boxing Day, you know, it was and most folks would say, you know, I just want to be at home and it's the holidays. And me, I'm going. Yeah, I'd love to have Boxing Day in India. Yeah, that sounds really cool. So I managed to go there twice. And both times I had hosts who who just foot the bill. Um, and it's, it's those gigs sometimes that are just, yeah, you know, as, as you say, the, the, the wonderful experience they have, they take you to places which you otherwise would never have gone. Um, and, yeah, they, they stay as real highlights in your life. You know, I look back and I think, gosh, those were the only two times I went to India. They were both to do with work. I met so many great people there. I had amazing food there. Um, you know, what, what's not to like? I'll do it again. Yeah, like one of my highlight experiences is kind of similar to you. Back in 2016, uh, Mauricio Monsky, uh, who's on Million Dollar Listing, was putting up one of his Malibu houses on the TV show on Bravo, Million Dollar Listing. And Lamborghini had also sponsored the event. And they said, cars all over the place so i was able to take a hurricane up into the Malibu <laughs> for about 30 minutes and drive around in that i'm like wow this is an exhilarating experience and when you kind of talk about the speaking as well like one time i uh 
I went to go speak in Istanbul. They put us up at the five, four seasons, four or five seasons, four seasons, four seasons. Yeah. Four, four, <laughs> four seasons. seasons. Yeah. Uh, it used to be a palace. Uh, this place was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, right, it was right next to the Bosphorus, right on the uh, shoreline of the water, crystal clear wow. waters. You can wow. see the fish. Um, amazing food. We got to go and travel around and see multiple parts of Istanbul. Everything was paid for. I was only able to stay for a few days, but if I was able to stay for two weeks, they even took the people out on air balloons and showed them all around Istanbul and everything it had to offer. But uh, just due to my work schedule, I wasn't able to do that. But those experiences are absolutely yeah. like memorable and they kind of stick with yeah. you as that's by yeah yeah very very much so and you know our travel editor gets to travel a lot because you know a it's his job but also b i think the magazine brand opens the doors for him you know he's when he approaches a property um he'll send either pdfs or he'll send previous links to his work and they see that and you know i guess we come back to the, you know, the, the beauty of long-form journalism uh, they see that here's this very talented writer you know he's he's 70 years old He's gone all over the world. He writes from a real educated perspective. He's an American. And and people go, yeah, okay, we would love to host you uh, at our property. Um, and they'll either offer him, they'll either comp him, or he'll pay a press rate, which is you know, usually 50% off. And again, you know, what's not to like? You stay at the best properties in the world and um, cause, because of your work, literally because your work has opened doors for you. And that's a good feeling to be to be given a perk um, for doing a good job, you know, just just as you found. Yeah, I've had a lot of great perks with like uh, some hotels in New York and so forth as well. And what's really interesting is next week uh, <clears throat> for an MBO program in Brazil, I'm teaching a course for them for like six hours oh. in marketing for an MBA program, which is pretty neat, oh. especially since I don't yeah. even have a college degree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I guess um, you, you host the radio show, so you know about content and how to how to fill up six hours of content. I remember I was given one where I had to talk about six hours. Okay, what the heck do I talk about? <laughs> this is a yeah. bit early on in my career. Um, nowadays, I'm pretty sure I could fill up pretty easily. You know, like you've written books, and and you just think one of one of those books is six hours. <laughs> you know, just, yeah, you know, I, could, I I wouldn't want to read from it because it'll bore everybody. But you, you could definitely structure. Um, a six-hour lecture uh, based based on that book. You know, the, uh, the book's no longer in print, so I'm, I won't be, you know, I won't really be promoting it. But um, yeah, it was it was good to get a lot of my thoughts and branding um, into one volume and you know, structure it because it was written for a college here, um, and it's structured as you know as a as a course really. It actually structures like a ten-hour course, so. Fortunately, I think I could. I'll be able to fill six hours now, but I definitely could in two thousand and two. Yeah, it does take some time to really get up to it, and it takes a lot of uh, <laughs> interesting thoughts and so forth. Um, anyways, it's about time for us to end the show. Is there any final thoughts that you wanted to leave our audience with, Jack? I, I think the the main thought is is be authentic. You know, that's something you've touched on previous shows as well, Leonard, about just being being true to yourself in marketing and in branding because at the end of the day, truth, you know, people see it. 
I think consumers, audiences, they detect it and they detect when they're not being lied to. They recognize truth when they see it. So you know, tell your truth, tell your story and just let it grow. Awesome. And I second that. That's definitely the way to go. Um, if you wanted to find Jack online, uh, Jack, where can people find you again? Well, then come to lucire.com. That's L-U-C-I-R-E.com. Um, my personal website is jackyan.com. Cool, and you can find me at Mr. or at LeonardKim.com or Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.